This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. The Golden Edge Podcast is sponsored by STN Sports from Station Casinos. STN Sports is the only sports betting app you need this season. Sign up today and get a new sign-up bonus of up to $50. What is up, hockey fans? This is the Golden Edge Podcast, the podcast where the Las Vegas Review Journal talks about hockey. I'm Ben Goetz, one of your two Golden Knights beat writers, and on the other line... In scenic January, Buffalo, New York, is my good friend and colleague, the Nevada Sports Writer of the Year, Dave Shane. Dave, how's it going? All right. Thanks for that wonderful introduction, Ben. (laughs) Could you have imagined a better gift for winning a just such a great award than a trip to Buffalo in January? I mean, it's a spectacular reward. In all honesty, (laughs) Um, no. Also, in 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 seriousness, though, I'll say this. It's not snowing. The sun was out this morning. It's like 30, like mid 30s, which for Buffalo in mid January, like how lucky did I get? I mean, <laughs> I could have had two feet of snow here and I got, there's nothing. There's not even a, a, a speck of snow on the ground anywhere around here. So no complaints on, uh, on that as far as I'm concerned. Uh, the only problem, as we discussed off-air, is that you have not had Tim Hortons yet, but because you're on the Golden Knights current, uh, basically it's going to turn into a you know East Coast slash Canadian swing. You'll have plenty of opportunities. And we're going to talk about that swing. First, I want to remind you that the Golden Edge podcast is sponsored by STN Sports Mobile from Station Casinos. We are also presented today by Untuck It. And like I said, we're going to talk about the Golden Knights' current four-game road trip for the All-Star break slash bye week, and the homestand that was that ended in uh, fascinating fashion if you are like watching car wrecks because the Golden Knights got outscored uh, 8-2 to by the Los Angeles Kings and the Columbus Blue Jackets to end a season-long seven-game homestand. The Knights, as of this morning, we are recording Tuesday morning before they play the Buffalo Sabres in Buffalo, New York. They are fifth in the Pacific Division in points percentage behind the Canucks, Flames, Coyotes, and Oilers. Points-wise, they are uh, not currently in one of the top three spots of the Pacific Division right now, which is a place they've occupied basically most of the year. They are currently in the first wildcard position, but the Oilers are just one point behind them with one game in hand. The Jets are two points behind them with two games in hand. On the flip side, the Knights are only one game out of first place. Uh, It's a pileup, Dave, and the Knights have really gotten themselves in an interesting position here by not taking advantage of the end of that homestand. Yeah, I mean, it looked so good and promising at the start, right? I mean, it was like four straight wins. They had the the biggest comeback in franchise history to a beat the defending Stanley Cup champion St. Louis Blues. It just seemed like everything had kind of 
you know, turned around all of the stuff from early in the season, the, the kind of ups and downs, the inconsistency, it seemed like everything, you know, they, they were all past that. And then all of a sudden the game against Pittsburgh, they get behind again, can't come back. And then the Kings game, the last six and a half minutes was just an absolute unmitigated disaster. They weren't able to crawl out of that hole. And then, you know, the Columbus game, a little bit of the same thing. I, I wouldn't say they got into a big hole or anything. They just didn't look like they had kind of the same spark, I guess. It was, you know, uh, what like Jared Lamp kind of talked about, you know, the the length of the homestand, how it's not something that they're accustomed to. Their, their rhythm and, and things like that as athletes is a little more conditioned to kind of maybe four or five games at the most at home, maybe a week or so, and then you're back on the road. So for them, it seemed like internally they felt like they got a little stale. But at least for me, I don't know that I totally buy that excuse. I mean, I get, you know, the Pittsburgh game, I, you know, I guess you can, I don't want to say overlook that, but you can kind of forgive that. Obviously Pittsburgh is a really good team playing well, even without Sidney Crosby, but the Los Angeles game, especially, I just think was a, a loss two points. You know, I think back to like the Detroit game, um, a couple other games where they've just, you know, kind of given away a couple points that all that stuff adds up at the end of the year. And, and the way things are going, like you mentioned, Ben, everything is bunched up. Everything is, is congested and teams like Calgary are playing well, Vancouver's playing well, you know, everything that the, the, the Knights look to be in good position. And now all of a sudden it's, you know, what, 30, 30 plus games, I guess they have left. Or 34. Is that including yeah. tonight against the Buffalo Sabres? So, I mean, it's going to be a dogfight the rest of the way, you figure. Yeah, absolutely. And it's interesting, you know, I wanted to talk about kind of the homestand, you know, I guess excuse for lack of a better word, that really started to creep in after the Pittsburgh game where Gerard Gallant made comments the next day at practice that it feels like this homestand is starting to creep up on us. So that was after their fifth game, longer than they normally do, but not exorbitantly longer. And then, you know, for lack of a better word, they kind of, I mean, for sure no-showed uh, most of the Kings games probably did that. Most of the Blue Jackets game, too, showed some signs that they kind of showed earlier in the year where once adversity kind of struck them and they gave up a first goal, they just seemed to collapse. Um, but it's an interesting point he's making, especially given uh, we'll talk about kind of the back half of what having that long homestand now means for their upcoming schedule. I mean, you get it. It's a long home stretch in January. So you figure players are going to have family and friends, you know, not just around them, but visiting from out of town, probably players, you know, would have time to do maybe some activities and stuff that they wouldn't normally do. Is that an excuse for, you know, professional athletes to kind of, like I said, essentially no show two games? I don't think so, especially that Blue Jackets game was weird to me because normally this is a veteran team with enough pride where when they, you know, no show a game and they know it. I mean, they show up the next day. We saw in that Kings post-game press conference, Gerard Gallant, as he's wont to do, you know, once or twice a year, not too often, really kind of blows up at them after a loss, at least, you know, to us, the media. He really kind of, you know, doesn't excuse anything, just kind of rips them to shreds. And then usually they respond the next day. They didn't really against Columbus. And so that was something that I definitely took note of and an interest in is, one, how mad Gallant was and we saw that even linger 
over into the next day a little bit. Normally he's a complete, we're just going to turn the page guy, but that Kings loss seemed to really stick with him. And then the fact that the team didn't really come forward then on Saturday with an inspiring effort. Yeah, I feel like, I don't know if the four-game streak, they got a little comfortable. You know, like they kind of said, okay, we got this figured out. We're, we're, we're cool now. Because, like, I mean, let's, okay, let's look at this. Let, let's look at it a, a little bit individually. And, and I mean, the, 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 the clear issue right now is their starts and just getting behind in the first period. You don't it's like, say. what, 10 nothing, 10 nothing. they've been outscored the last, what is it, four games? In the in the first period, yeah, they've gone down three zero in four straight games, including four nothing just in the first period against the Los Angeles Kings. Right. So, I mean, you know, if we're gonna like analyze, well, what's gone wrong? Like, clearly, that's that's been the the glaring issue, at least in the short term. But yeah, like I'm with I'm with you in terms of not buying it as professional athletes, and you know, a couple of distractions and like that that to me doesn't shouldn't shouldn't come into play here, but you know, it's, it's weird because let's look at it. Like, like, let's look at it a little bit differently. What if they lost the blues game, but then like win the Kings game and, and still finish four and three on the homestand. Does that kind of change our perception of it a little bit? Maybe. Uh, I mean, I think the one game out of the, the group that really stood out was the Columbus game for probably negative reasons. I I'm, I'm in agreement with you there. Because, and I guess, you know, maybe that was the one that was just the, we just want to get out of here. Right. We're done. Yeah. And I don't, you know, I I mean, teams do that. It's not uncommon, but certainly you don't like to see it. And and I feel like there was a little bit of that in the, uh, in the Saturday game, but you know, again, it's just, it's something that they have to figure out a way to overcome. It's something that they have to figure out a way to get on a consistent win streak. I mean, they had won four in a row. I think the four is the longest that they've longest win streak they've had this year. I don't think they've had a five game win streak. So I think at some point you just like to see them string together something, you know, like the lightning have done and maybe not 10, 11 in a row or something like that. But you know, when you turn the corner, then step on the gas and, and really get going. And, and I just feel like the Knights haven't really done yet. They, they've kind of gotten to fourth gear a couple of times and then, you know, just sort of seem to, to stay there instead of kicking it in, you know, another notch up. Yeah, and it's going to be difficult for them to, you know, kind of keep punching up gears here because, as we mentioned, you're in Buffalo. The Knights are starting a four-game road swing right now. Then they're on their bye week. Then, of course, they come back with another four-game road swing right after the bye week. They return home, and some of their home games are against teams like the Capitals, the Lightning, the Hurricanes. So this is not an easy stretch of the schedule, not a part of the schedule where you're like, oh, wow, this is really a time where they can kind of make some hay. So they're going to have to really clean some parts up of their game in order to kind of stay afloat and in the hunt for the Pacific Division title. And we'll talk about some of the things that need to pick up in their game after a brief break. Ever seen an untucked button-down? They look bad. Why? Well, because they weren't meant to be worn that way. Thankfully, there's Untuck It, the original button-down shirt actually designed to be worn untucked. No matter your size or shape, Untuck It shirts always fall at the perfect untucked length. With more than 50 fit combinations, Untuck It shirt looks great on tall, short, slim, and athletic guys of all ages. 
Now, I kind of fall in the tall and somewhat slim category, you know, like I try to work on my figure. Uh, and these shirts fit me great. Choose from styles like wrinkle-free button-downs, super soft flannels, outerwear, and more. With Untuck It, your shirts will never look baggy, bulgy, too long, or too big again. And their website is so easy to use. They even have a whole page devoted to helping you find your fit. So whether you're shopping for the perfect gift or just trying to craft a smart, relaxed style of your own, Untuck It is the way to go. Visit untuckit.com and use code BLUE for 20% off at checkout. That's U-N-T-U-C-K-I-T.com and promo code BLUE for 20% off. So we were talking before we had the quick break there about some of the things the Knights need to get right in order to build some points during this difficult stretch of the schedule. I mean, Dave, where do you want to start with some of the issues we're seeing with this team right now? Because I could name, you know, just like five off the top of my head in terms of we got goaltending, Alex Tuck isn't producing, William Carlson isn't scoring, Nate Schmidt's having a tough stretch, and of course, uh, up until tonight, uh, Jonathan Marshall has been out for five straight games. He is expected to play tonight against the Sabres, but they, that's someone they definitely missed. But where do you want to start in terms of the issues we're seeing just kind of on ice? We've talked a little bit about the intangible kind of off-ice things that might be affecting them, but on ice, what do you want to start with what's gone wrong? Yeah, I mean, it's you know, it's hard to pinpoint something because I think, you know, like I said, I think at least in the last few games, it's been the starts. And it's been, to me, what's what's weird about the starts, though, is like you look at the Kings game and they basically were dominating for 10, 12 minutes. I mean, they got off to a little bit of a shaky start. Kings had them hemmed in a little bit early on. And then the Knights kind of turned around. They had about 10, 12 minutes where they were just, you know, firing shots at Jack Campbell. And then they give up one goal and then couldn't stop the bleeding. So it's, you know, it's weird. It's like, did they get off to a bad start? Well, I don't know because for 15 minutes they played and dominated the first period against the Kings, the way that they dominated the second and the third, they just didn't get anything past Campbell. And then they get into a hole and and things like that. Like it's so, it's so weird. It's so like, you can look at each individual game and kind of pinpoint something from that game, as opposed to like an overarching kind of issue. And I think, you know, that was something that Gerard Glenn had kind of talked about that. It's not just one thing that you can go, okay, let's fix this. And then we're good to go it's kind of a little bit here, a little bit there. There's, there's the intangible things, like you said, you know, missing Jonathan March. So his energy, the way that it's kind of filtered down and affects, you know, sort of the lineup because Jared Gallant has to juggle some things. I don't think they've gotten anything out of their bottom six, you know, the last few games. Uh, And then you touched on, on a few of the other things too. William Carlson hasn't scored in like a month. William Carlson uh, has Tuck. no goals since December 13th, and he does not have a point in 2020 yet. Yeah. Uh, Alex Tuck, is, I think he's got like four points in the last month, and I know he's, you know, they're hoping he gets back to Buffalo here and, you know, close to home, and, you know, maybe that kicks him in the gear. Um, you know, Nate Schmidt has obviously struggled. I think that's been, you know, a storyline that's kind of developed over the season uh, in terms of, just kind of where he's at in his game and whether, you know, that injury early on affected him, whether he's still trying to work his way back and find some semblance of rhythm, but he hasn't looked the same player. And then honestly, even the goaltending has struggled a little bit, you know, but that's kind of what happens during a slump, right? I mean, everything kind of just, you know, at the same time, maybe takes a dip 
and you lose a few games and then you try to get it straightened out. So, I mean, I think that's where they're at right now. And then, you know, you look at this road trip and yeah, it's, you know, four games away from home and yes, it's tough, but they're also playing Buffalo, which hasn't been playing great. Ottawa, which has struggled and Montreal, which has struggled. Montreal's just so, a free fall. Right. And so for the, the first three games here, there's six points, six really big points that are kind of sitting right there on the table for them. It'll be interesting to see whether they kind of, you know, had a couple days here to, you know, work some things out internally in the locker room, whatever it might be. And, uh, you know, just kind of find their game again. Yeah, no, definitely. I mean, they remind me a lot of kind of like, you know, one of those old cartoons where you plug one hole in a boat and all of a sudden another just kind of springs up. I mean, that's where they're kind of at (laughs) right now where, you know, you see some parts of their game that are working and then all of a sudden another part of the game will just kind of go away. And like I said, we kind of saw that with the goaltending where Marc-Andre Fleury, you know, did not have his best game against the Pittsburgh Penguins. And then as poorly as I think the Knights played in front of him against the Los Angeles Kings, I don't think Malcolm Subban was good in that game. But then Fleury, I thought, was relatively okay against the Columbus Blue Jackets, and the rest of the team just kind of collapsed around him. So we'll see what they can kind of figure it out. Figure out. You mentioned this is not a daunting stretch on the road, even though it is a stretch on the road. And as much as you know, I want to point out all the negative things about the Knights, I mean, they are too talented to be sitting fifth in points percentage of the Pacific Division. And there's, you know, at least a relative understanding from my part of that this is a veteran group with enough, you know, smart players that can kind of figure it out. But they are still obviously underachieving. They have the talent level to be better in this better than this, and maybe they'll show that on this upcoming road swing. But things do need to change at least a little bit health we mentioned they're getting Jonathan Marshall back today against the Buffalo Sabres would certainly help at some point within the next month and 10 days I would expect a trade to help plug some of the holes on this team and then other than that maybe I mean as you mentioned Dave they just need to get in the locker room figure some stuff out and just give themselves a swift kick in the butt to get going here yeah I mean I think you know in some respects I think they all kind of go hand in hand um you know, in terms of things like a trade would kind of be a swift kick in the butt, I think, for him, you know, inject something new. I think, you know, when Chandler Stevenson kind of came on board, I think, it, you know, injected a little life, just a little something different into the locker room. I think, you know, maybe they need that. I, I don't know. Um, it, it's hard to know, you know, exactly where everybody's at, you know, mentally with, with the with those sorts of things and, and what it would do. Obviously if somebody comes in, somebody's going to be affected by that in terms of playing time. Maybe they're not going to, you know, be as happy. I don't, you know, whatever it might be, but I think if not, you know, it's, it's weird because I wonder, you know, I was at the morning skate today and Kelly McCrimmon and George McSee were both there and kind of sitting and watching. And I was, I was kind of wondering, you know, what's going through their head because I feel like they're in a difficult spot with all this too, because they know how talented this team is. They know, when it's playing well, it's capable of beating anyone and everyone in the league. And yet they're just not quite getting there. So like, do you just have faith that eventually things will get straightened out or as a GM and president of hockey ops and things, do you feel like, you know, no, we need to make a change. We need to, we need something different. I, I feel like it's there that that's why they get paid the big bucks because I think that's an interesting decision 
right now for them. I, I think, you know, we've heard all the the rumors and, and things like that from around the league about, you know, the Knights looking for defensemen. I don't think that's been a secret. I think that's been, you know, kind of out there for most of the season. Um, to be quite honest, that that's where they'd like to upgrade. I, to me, it's just kind of, you know, what type of player do you want there? Do you want somebody who's going to clear the front of the net and be physical? Because I think, you know, if we're going to talk about an issue and things that need to get cleaned up, I'll actually bring that one up is the physicality in front of the net, both offensively and defensively, but especially on defense, clearing rebounds. We we've heard players kind of talk about, I remember Stash and kind of talked about how, you know, look, Flurry is responsible for the first save, but then after that, it's on us. Right. And we need to clear the front of the net. We need to clear the rebounds and things like that. It feels like, especially on that homestand and, and going back a little bit further when they're not playing well, they're giving up those those kind of greasy, loose change, I guess, kind of goals right in front of front of the net, whether it's Flurry or Subban. And when they're successful, they're clearing those, and then they're getting those types of goals themselves. I think of the Blues game. You know, that was that was the the Blues are a team that basically outmuscle everybody, and I felt like that game after the first period, the Knights outmuscled them. Right, the Knights pushed back. Net. Right. So, so for me, I guess, you know, to answer maybe that earlier question and, and what we were talking about earlier, maybe that's the one thing that, that I would point to in terms of like, you know, scheme execution, whatever, whatever you want to kind of call it that, that they can get better at. It's just in front of the net on, on both ends of the ice. Yeah. We'll have to see whether they, you know, they could potentially swing a trade for a defenseman that would help them there, give them more of a physical presence in front of the net. Well, I want to talk about some other things from the week that was besides just the Knights' relative ineptitude to close out their homestand because there were some, you know, more positive things that happened for the Knights too. Uh, Keegan Colasar debuted, which is always a fun thing to see. I mean, that's a 22-year-old kid whose dreams literally came true kind of in front of everyone's eyes. His parents were both there. His dad flew in from San Antonio where he was watching him play an AHL game. And flies out the next night, watches his son play an NHL game, which you have to imagine was emotional. His mom flew in from Florida. Uh, he got it. Keegan Colasar got a solo lap uh, before warmups officially started for the Knights, which was, you know, it's always a cool tradition to see. He wasn't necessarily notable in the game, and of course, I'm sure he would like to have have his debut turn out better than a 3-0 loss to the Columbus Blue Jackets. But that's always kind of a fun thing to see, Dave. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, you know, when we saw him in the morning skate that that day and you know he was trying to be a little bit coy about playing or whatever but i mean i don't think he would have punched the smile off that kid's face like i mean he was just absolutely beaming you could tell how stoked he was you know that he was you know finally getting his chance and things like that like you said he's 22 so it's not like he's been waiting around for you know for too long here but i think it, you know what was even more interesting was it came against columbus it came against the team that drafted him and then traded him to the knights in 2017. So it was just like another layer of, I guess, specialness. I think that's a word. Um, but I, you know, it, it was cool to see. And what was really interesting to me was actually where he played. He played on the third line. And I guess if, you know, third line, fourth line, like, you know, how you distinguish between the two is, you know, a little bit, I guess, individual preference or, you know, things like that. Um, Gerard Gallant certainly likes to, I think, refer to them as top six, bottom six, maybe as opposed to, you know, one, two, three, four, and things like that with his line. But it was interesting that he was out there with, uh, 
you know, with those guys, instead of, uh, you know, down on the, say like the fourth line where, where you would figure that, that he would kind of slot in. He, he's kind of a natural, um, I don't want to say he's, he's like a natural replacement for Ryan Reese because I don't think he's quite maybe as physical, but he's certainly that type of player. So it was interesting to see him on the third line and, you know, out there. And then obviously he got sent right down. Um, so we'll see if he comes back up at some point, but you know, he's certainly a guy that I think, you know, when they need somebody to come up and be physical, you know, have an edge, have a little sandpaper to their game. Um, if Ryan Reeves were to get hurt, if Will Carrier were to get hurt, you know, those types of guys, I think Keegan Colasar at this point showed that, you know, he's a viable option for them to bring up. For sure. I mean, yeah, he's going to be a bottom six guy in the NHL. The upside isn't quite there as it would be with other people, but that's okay because, I mean, he knows it. He knows what his game is and what he needs to bring to a lineup. And he's got like a fair amount of skill. He scored 20 goals in the AHL last year, only has two this year, both of which came Friday. And then, of course, he got called up to the NHL right after. So, you know, maybe go score some goals down there in the AHL, Keegan Colasar. It wouldn't hurt your chances to get called back up again. Uh, another interesting thing from the week that was, because we have to talk about it, uh, there was a goaltender named Elvis who shut out the Knights, which was <laughs> just an incredible uh, moment. Uh, Elvis is his first name, started for the Columbus Blue Jackets. He is named for that Elvis. His dad was a huge Elvis fan and uh, named him Elvis after the singer. Said he doesn't know that many... Uh, Elvis songs but certainly he talked about you know his pregame nap he was dreaming about how cool it would be to get his first career shutout in Las Vegas that did happen he had a great air guitar celebration afterward before jumping like five feet in the air into uh, one of his teammates arms Uh, that was another fun thing especially because John Tortorella after the game uh, to uh, a couple of the visiting beat writers and yours truly said Elvis wins in Las Vegas. That should be your headline, which was just a great line. <laughs> yeah, I've I've read a couple things about Elvis since that game. Um, I was going to bring up the uh, the air guitar celebration just because I thought that was so funny and appropriate. But he is apparently a real character. Um, he was fun I to talk I've, to, I've Elvis Mer Merslickens. Yeah, yeah, he apparently has got quite the personality. Really outgoing guy. Um, something that we don't see very often, I guess, in the NHL from, from what I've heard, uh, it just in terms of his kind of eccentricity, I guess. And, and some of the things that, that he's sort of known for, it's interesting because he sort of, he struggled early on and then there was actually like a media gag order kind of with him where I don't know if it was Elvis himself or the team or Tortorella had basically kind of said, look, he's off limits to the media. They just win. When Corpusala went down, they wanted him just focusing on, okay, just, you know, get your stuff together make sure you're ready to be a starter. And then, you know, once he kind of got to that point, he's been playing really well. And then they kind of, they kind of cut him loose a little bit with the media and all that. And he apparently is, is just an absolute character. So, you know, good for him. Uh, good for the league that, you know, maybe somebody like uh, Elvis will uh, become a little bit of a, a household name. I don't know about a star or anything like that, but, you know, if nothing else, it's great for uh, the Latvian hockey program. To there see. you go. No, it was certainly fun to talk to you after Saturday's game. And last but not least, we got to talk 
to about the All-Star game because you are going and you will not just have Gerard Gallant for company. Max Pacioretty was officially named to the All-Star team as a replacement for Jakob Silverberg, whose wife is expecting a child kind of over the break. So Max Pacioretty is going to get to go. Uh, we talked about it on our last podcast how we weren't sure if he was going to be thrilled to kind of give up his free time during the bye week. Uh, but you were there yesterday, Dave, and it sounds like he kind of came around to it because of how excited his sons were about him going. Yeah, I think you, I think you phrased it best there that he kind of came around on it. I, I think once he sort of realized, you know, that his family can kind of take part in it, once he realized, I think, you know, it's something, you know, maybe early on you sort of want, and then he kind of, it was he said it wasn't important to him. He, he actually said the most important thing to him in all of this has been kind of the recognition from within the organization that that they kind of told him about the All-Star game appearance, that they've been happy with his play, that everything kind of seems to be, you know, working out this year, especially since the trade and, and all that sort of stuff. That was kind of the most important thing, I think, internally to him and externally, like you mentioned, it was absolutely the fact that he gets to spend the all-star game with his sons. He talked yesterday about his two oldest Enzo and Max and just that they're apparently just hockey, absolute fanatics. He said, they literally wake up, turn on NHL network and it's not off until they go to sleep that night. He said, they sleep in the same room and they don't sleep. They just stay up all night and talk about hockey. Um, they like to go out to like the street hockey rink and go play. I mean, like they're just absolute, just, you know, complete puck heads. So for them to be able to experience it and to be an age where, you know, maybe they'll get to go out on the ice. I don't know how well they skate or anything, but certainly it's something that they'll remember. I, that, that, that to me is, is what seemingly has stuck with Max Pacioretty with all of this and what seems to be kind of most important and what he's most proud of. No, and that's really cool, and that's going to be such a cool experience for the Pacioretty family to share together. Though the my other favorite thing that came out from your story on it was that uh, Pacioretty's sons are big fans of Connor McDavid, and they're so yeah. excited that uh, their dad gets to be Connor McDavid's teammate, to which Pacioretty had to remind them who their favorite player is supposed to be, which is fantastic. Yeah. So, and you know what will be interesting, though, too, just as a as a random aside on all of this, I mean, we, we know how good... McDavid and Dreisaitl, um, you know, some of these guys are in like three on three, those situations. So Max Pacioretty since like 2010, obviously that's not like all three on three play, but he's in like the top, I think top five in overtime goals in the last like eight years. So certainly with the, you know, with the little extra ice and three on three, it'll be interesting to see kind of, you know, how he plays, I guess, so to speak. It'll be more interesting to see how John Galant balances this lineup. There was a great quote yesterday that came out of uh, the Edmonton Oilers locker room. Somebody asked Leon Dreisaitl about playing with Matthew Kachuk at the All-Star game and what would he do if they're on the same line. And Dreisaitl said something to the effect of I would leave the I ice. I would get off the ice because, yeah, yeah. Zach Castian of the Edmonton Oilers and Matthew Kachuk kind of traded – Blows in a recent uh, Alberta rivalry game. Cassian got a two-game suspension, so no love lost between uh, now two teammates that Gerard Gallant is going to have to tangle with when it comes to yeah, the All-Star I game. Mean, 
I'm just waiting for Drew Daddy to get added at this point. I mean, that couldn't be anything more like combustible. <laughs> yeah, it's going to be uh, a lot of fun there. I should also mention uh, with Knight's Connections, David Perron got voted in to the All-Star Game. The X-Knight will represent uh, the team that is hosting the All-Star Game in St. Louis. He leads the Blues with 46 points in 47 games. So he's having a great season. Max Petrietti is obviously having a great season right now. The Knights are having an okay season, and we'll see if they can turn it around starting tonight as we're recording this in Buffalo. That's going to do it for us. My thanks to, of course, my colleague and Nevada Sports Writer of the Year, Dave Shane, for calling in from Buffalo. Thanks to SDN Sports Mobile from Station Casinos for sponsoring us. Untuck It for presenting us. We are the Golden Edge Podcast. Make sure to like, subscribe, whatever you do with podcasts on iTunes, Stitcher, etc. Check out all our work at ReviewJournal.com and then come back next week where we'll do this all again. I'm Ben Goats. Thanks for listening, everyone. Sugar Ray Leonard, Roberto Duran, Marvelous Marvin Hagler, and Thomas Hearns. Legends, whose four-way rivalry defined one of the greatest eras in boxing history. Relive their decade of dominance in the new Showtime sports documentary, The Kings, a four-part series premiering Sunday, June 6th, only on Showtime.